welcome to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian. My name's Wayne. And I'm Robert. And we're back. I was noticing something. Every time I say, yes, we're going to be more consistent, <laughs> something something happens. So this time, I'm not going to be like, yes, we're going to be monthly or whatever. We will do this as often as we can and hope yeah. nothing gets in the way. Mm-hmm. For those who've listened to me, you know, I, I work in finance. So the first two, three months of the year is crazy, crazy busy. It's It's like, and especially this year, just a lot of new clients. So I got a little bit buried mm-hmm. <laughs> in there. And um, yeah, so that's what happened. And obviously, we had some, you know, some projects and, and everything going on. So I'm like, and we both very, got very sorry. So that always takes yeah. up time too. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Then you're about to have another one, and so it's yeah, be yeah. <laughs> We're about to make that mistake. Um, kind of kind of too late to go back on that. But uh, I was actually at um, PAX East recently, and uh, my wife and my kid went to Boston. Um, we spent a day kind of going around, and I spent two days uh, with TRI, mm-hmm. uh, the role initiative, doing PAX East stuff. But on Sunday, my wife, my daughter came with and my daughter basically chased after cosplayers the entire time. <laughs> um, she loved it, absolutely enjoyed herself. She got pictures with people and she ran up to like, there's a fantasy, Final Fantasy statue and she she posed with it. Nice. If you have me on Facebook, you can see some of those photos. My wife posts them, but it's like... Uh, yeah, so uh, apparently my my daughter likes that stuff. So uh, we've got an anime convention coming up at the end of May, and uh, so she's got a bunch of like Disney princess outfits. I'm gonna dress her up as Snow White. You know, nice. I, I don't I don't do hair very well, so you know, <laughs> hair band, you know, little clips, and uh, give her a basket and apple, and we're gonna walk around uh, Anime North, the like anime convention, and uh, see how she likes it. I'm guessing she's gonna love it. Nice. Yeah. This. Uh... Next next month, I was just invited to Phoenix Fan Fusion to be Ooh, nice. a guest, and I was I was a guest there last year, and it was really nice. But we we'd like just flown down here for that, and then my kids and wife just kind of hung out with my family here. But now that we live here, they're gonna come with me, and so I think my son is just getting to the age where he really appreciates. I mean, my daughter too too really likes you know she likes Batman, and so I think they're really gonna enjoy all the cosplay and stuff there. Uh, that'll be that'll pretty be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we'll we'll talk more about our our conventions and and whatnot later on uh, at sure. the end of the show. But uh, so we've got a topic for today that uh, we've been sort of <laughs> sitting on and holding on to. And I guess part of it was we didn't quite know how to approach the topic, especially since this is not something that's been broached in in fifth edition yet. And uh, I think it's also one of those very very interesting topics where you get a lot of people having very different opinions about mm-hmm. it, especially since second, ed- like obviously since the edition, but in second edition, there was this huge, huge differentiation. So, I mean, we're going to jump into it. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through some of our notes and uh, we'll see what you guys think too. I mean, uh, so today what we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about wizards and specifically we're going to be talking about defiling, which is a very, very fun topic. Yeah, not only, you know, it, it's definitely one of the things that sort of defines Dark Sun, you know, um, mm-hmm. it has this, uh, this desert planet, and you immediately are taught that the planet is desert because it was defiled with this, with this magic. And so it's, you know, it's kind of like the talking about social responsibility or environmental responsibility, like that was the thing mm-hmm. in the 90s that it was kind of talking about. And, you know, it's still, it's still kind of is emblematic of that. But 
what you know you never really know why you never really know the details in the first box set of like what is defiling i mean you know what it is but you don't know like why is magic this way and later on you mm -hmm. kind of find out a little bit of the, of, of the history of magic and mm -hmm. the the way that defiling works is that it, it's kind of the the other side of a coin yeah so you have preserving and you have defiling and most yeah. people in the world don't know that there's this difference they just think all wizards are yeah. are defilers and they just suck the life out of <laughs> um out of the world yeah and, and and if you think about it from a lay person's perspective they don't care the wizard the sorcerer kings have basically said all magic is bad okay all magic is bad and we know that some magic or magic that's not from clerics or druids creates like needs life mm -hmm. needs life force to power mm -hmm. so if you need life force to power it that doesn't seem like a very quote-unquote good thing so who cares that you know for laypersons like who cares just uh you know stay away right i don't want i don't want trouble with the templars i'm gonna chase you off my land because you might destroy my you know my crops or whatnot right mm -hmm. i think one of the things um i mean just sort of to to start is that let's maybe let me back up a step i, I kind of went through a bunch of things and those people who are familiar with dark sun probably know this but so wizard wizardry magic or wizardry it's specifically uh, what it says. It converts life energy, generally from plants, life energy into the ability to cast spells. So you would basically drain some life from around you to power magical effects, to power arcane magical effects. And in second edition, you know, before Dark Sun, you only had the the only real arcane magic user was the wizard. Yes, there's other stuff, but. The, the wizard mm -hmm. you know it was at least i think the i think first level to first level to second level was like 2500 xp if <laughs> yeah. i remember correctly it took a wizard a long time to gain power mm -hmm. at 20th level wizard rules but it took, took a wizard a long time to gain power it was a slow arduous process and in dark sun it's the exact same thing as a preserver as kind of a standard wizard you treat the you treat life around you with respect you draw some power uh, you give some back, you're able to replace it, and that there's a net effect of sort of creating more life within the world, mm -hmm. but it's extremely slow. The process of draining is easy. The process of replacing, the process of not destroying something while you do it was very, very difficult. Now you turn around and basically you plop Dark Sun down in front of us and you go, well, everybody wants to play a wizard, but it's so slow, I'm so weak, I only have D4 hit points, and suddenly you go, hey... Here's a class that has everything that a wizard has, but they gain levels faster. And you're like, <laughs> I, I think it was almost as fast as the rogue. Yeah, uh, the, rogue, the rogue was really quick. And you're going, oh, wait, I want to play that one. <laughs> I want to play, you know, I want to be able to do all the cool spells. Oh, wait, I get to be the guy who is like the crappy person who basically drains the life out of everything. And, and, and basically, as we go through, and we'll talk more about this, but as we go through, you'll notice that everyone, everyone, everyone hates the Defiler. If you <laughs> read the Wanderer's Journal, every other thing where it says Defiler, it's like, they're bad guys. They're chased off by Druids. They're chased by the Sorcerer Kings. They're chased by the Templars. They're chased by Preservers and the Veiled Alliance. Everybody hates <laughs> these guys. Yeah, yeah. But if you ask your players, your, your player, players, none of them want to play the Preserver. They, they all want to play the Defiler. <laughs> it's like, everyone hates you. Everyone hates you. Your own party probably hates you. 
but you still want to play that character. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I could see why a lot of people, why that would happen, but I, th- I feel like in my games, that wasn't really the case, only because I made it damn sure, like, if you played a Defiler, you, you probably hated life, <laughs> because like you said, yep. you know, if, as soon as you're busted, you're busted, and people want you dead. Yeah, yep, you're, um, yeah you're screwed. <laughs> and and I feel like I've always, even, even though Dark Sun was always like, you know, everyone's a little tougher, like everyone's a little, yep. a little more out for themselves. I mm-hmm. still like to play Dark Sun in a heroic manner. I still like my the yep. characters in, in the groups to be somewhat heroic. And so Defilers just never fit. Like they were always the antithesis of what, yeah. um, of what my, my players were playing. Uh, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I did have some like very selfish, you know, tr- Dune traders and stuff like that, but nobody yep. that was only like, everybody realized like defiling is just like one step too far kind of thing. So, so yeah. they've always been enemies in in my games, yeah. And and I think that's you know it's kind of funny where you know you think about that now, and they probably would be relegated mostly to to like enemies and NPCs, yeah. Um, yeah. Nowadays, but we'll talk we'll talk about fifth edition uh, yeah. later as we move through. So uh, like you were saying, so they they you know defilers and preservers, you know they draw energy from the land, and. And now the filers, they, they can advance so quickly because they don't really care what they do. They just sort of suck this energy out of the land. And mm-hmm. in the second edition box set, in addition to kind of going up faster, they had there were some effects of, of defiling. And one of the effects mm-hmm. uh, that we've already talked about is that, you know, it kind of drains the land. And what that means is you will literally create a circle of ash around you of dead plants and not, you know, mm-hmm. literal ash. So just, you know, you suck all the energy out and they turn to ash. And depending on the level of the spell and then the train that you're casting in will yeah. uh, dictate sort of the size of the circle around you. Now, it's real mm-hmm. hard, real hard to cast, uh, you know, a, a spell and not be noticed as a defiler because, uh, you're, oh, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're putting this circle, literal circle around you. And so, you know, if you cast uh, a low level spell in a, in, in a forest, you know, it'll probably be like one yard around you. But if you cast a high-level spell in the same forest, it'll be bigger. And if you cast a high-level spell in somewhere that's even more barren, like the Sony Barrens, you know, it's going to be a massive circle around you. And so that was sort of the, the obvious effect of defiling. Mm-hmm. In addition, when you do that, so even though defiling is primarily towards, primarily has to do with plants, it also affects people too. So in second edition, when you would draw energy, anybody within, again, a, a radius around you any living person or living thing would take an initiative modifier equal to the level of the spell being cast. And so that's just sort of like, you know, it's kind of drawing a little bit of energy. It's sort of like, you know, hurting your stomach or something as you get some of your energy drawn for from you. It never, it didn't do any damage in the original, uh, the, the original way, but it gave you a, a, a penalty to your initiative. So, you know, kind of just pause, made you pause for a second, which I always thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just creates a, a non- non-threatening but mechanical effect on on what's going on so that's that's always a good thing i mean yeah i I mean the the whole point i'm not too sure what the point of the ash specifically was when they designed it but to me it was like here's a big beacon saying hey look wizard (laughs) look evil wizard right well there's that and (laughs) also just like that's what's causing the world to be barren right because nothing will grow in that scar so, yeah. you know, that's going to eventually, you know, with enough wizards casting enough spells, it's going to leave, you know, this scar on the ground where nothing nothing will grow for hundreds or thousands or whatever of years. So, 
So it's going to automatically mean like, okay, as, as soon as people see that, you know, they're going to be pissed because not only are you, did you kill the plants that are there, you kind of basically, you know, salted the earth as it were. And salted you, the you earth, know, yeah. <laughs> not going to be able to grow anything there anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, for those who are not familiar with Dark Sun, forgive, forget us, we're, we're going to try to include everybody. For those who are not familiar with Dark Sun, being an arcane spellcaster, because remember, bards don't cast spells in second edition, being an arcane spellcaster is bad enough. Like, that's a death sentence. Nobody likes you as it is. <laughs> Being a defiler mm-hmm. is basically triple that. Like, not only are you going to be hunted, but people are basically like, they hate you just for being you. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's, you know, there's no mercy for that. You know, if if you're a defiler and you basically enter a druid's grove or druid's protected land, I mean, you, you are they'll come out of hiding just to kill you and then go back to hiding. Like this is how you are perceived by the world. Right. Like, yeah. You know, but like for, for me, I mean, I obviously Robert had a slightly different experience, but for me, I, there, everybody wanted to try a defiler. It was almost three to one from defiler to preserver. Mm-hmm. I think for every one person that played a preserver, there was at least three people who wanted to play defiler. And almost everybody had, a defiler in their character tree. <laughs> it was just one of those things that they just added there, and you're just like, "Now I'm not a, a I wasn't a very big, you know, arcane caster caster person uh, back in the day." But and to me, it was just like, That's, "You're you're painting a target on yourself, <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> so, yeah. on the floor and on yourself." So, anyways, <laughs> continuing on. So you know, in second edition, you know, you had your your base defiler class. And then, you know, as time went on and they kind of added more and more content to, to Dark Sun, we got Defilers and Preservers. And that came out in 1995. So it was a few years, you know, several years later. And in that, they put two different ways to defile because apparently, you know, people were, you know, it, it's, it's really harsh if you want to be a Defiler, which I think is fine. So we never used this the other way, but the other way is basically off stage defiling. And so you would defile in the morning when you, when you memorize your spells. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never really liked that. It, it, it was not like, that was not what was shown in the books, you know, in the novels. And so we never, never use that. Did you guys ever, ever use that kind of defiling? No, not really. And I think it's sort of the same way. It's, it's like defiling has, has huge benefits in terms of power, but having this off stage sort of thing, I remember reading it and I, I remember reading it. I didn't don't think I had much of opinion because I think at that point I, I hadn't played. I hadn't played as much and I was never, I never played a defiler. Like I never created a, a defiler character. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't one of the things, but thinking back upon it now, it's just like, it's a little bit of a cop out. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I always yeah. felt. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the other way that you could do it is, is in play. And that's, you know, that's kind of the standard. But what they also added to this was they added an unreliable mechanic to gathering energy. So previously, you just gathered your energy and cast your spell just like normal D&D. But with this, they wanted to give it a little more, a little more chance because I think they realized that, you know, defilers are really powerful. And so mm-hmm. in this, basically, depending on the levels of the spell and the, in the terrain, you would make an intelligence mm-hmm. check to see if you could gather the right. energy. 
Um, and you would do this regardless of whether if it was on stage or in play, you know, when you were defiling. Mm -hmm. And so if you failed, you wouldn't be able to gather enough energy. If you just succeeded regular, yeah. then you would, you know, just cast a spell regular. Or if you would, yeah. if you kind of, you know, rolled really well, then you could get extra spells for that day. Right. So that right. was, you know, an interesting kind of thing, but we still never did that. Like just gathering energy just seemed like, I don't know, it just was, it was just punishing. And probably the reason we never did this, because I, like I said, I mostly had preservers. So it felt like it was yeah. punishing to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's also an extra layer of mechanics that no one else has to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, you'll see that. I mean, they even went so far, you know, obviously like in 5th edition is like you can cast as many cantrips as you want. So they, you know, they, they've sort of made it so that there's no, it's not that there's no chance and stuff, but like, you know, they basically took any abilities of any classes away that were like chancy. Like if you, if you, if you weren't going to be able to do your cool thing, they kind of took those, that stuff away or, yeah. or just made it so that you could always do something cool, which, you know, helps, yeah. I think. So yeah. <laughs> uh, previously, you know, in the original box set, there was Defiler and there was Preserver and basically never the two shall meet. However, yes, with the, you know, with the novels coming out, Sadira was one of the main characters and she always walked the line of defiling and preserving. You know, she yeah. really didn't want to be a defiler, but there were times where she had to. And yeah. that was always really cool to me. And I thought it was really interesting and it gave her really, yep. really good yep. choices, you know, choices that defined her character and the books and so mm -hmm. they tried i feel like they tried to do that again in defilers and preservers they they added this mechanic where you could not necessarily switch back and forth but you could move from one road to the other so they had like a road of corruption mm -hmm. um and they had a road yeah. back so if you were you know up to six level you could switch back like if you were a defiler you could turn back and become a preserver in order to do that yeah. you had to kind of not cast magic for a week and then you would lose a level but then you would become yep. a preserver and so I, I kind of i thought that was interesting and you know i like that concept but again i i just mm -hmm. never had it come up in a game how about you no i i i absolutely agree with you in terms of the the the, the filing road or or the road to corruption mm -hmm. like that idea is actually was something that i think a lot of the, the people who did play the preservers was sort of like can i get a boost if i sort of forget about my preserver training mm -hmm. And it was very thematic. It was very cinematic. And obviously, it comes up a lot. That or stuff like that comes up a lot in, in, in novels. You know, using the the bad guys, using the the evil source, using blood magic. Just this once um, right. because there's a greater evil. So the idea is there. I don't remember really reading this very well, so I can't say how the execution was. Obviously, we're talking about how, how we're talking like... 20 something yeah, years yeah. ago so game development has changed since then but the idea is is definitely there and i think these days it'd be more of a, a dm fiat sort of thing where you could give a dm the power to do that rather than switching classes which is obviously not really what we do these days right, so. right. but yeah I, I, but the idea idea is definitely there because that's that's very very i, I want to even say tropey that's very very yeah, tropey. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely appropriate to have the the corruption and you know turning back on the road. You know, I, I, you know, and, and it was yeah. you know that was what Sadir's character was. So it's like one of those things where it's like I wish Troy would have written that portion before they wrote the book or before they wrote the game. Yeah, and then that way it would have been included originally, and it would maybe would have been a little bit more elegantly yeah. included as well instead of kind of put in there. Yeah, I, I mean, sorry, I just I I don't even know why I didn't think about this earlier, but. 
light side, dark side. Yeah. Force. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, yeah, that, yeah, that kind of, that, that's, that's kind of a good, good analogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, with 90, in 1995, that's when Defilers and Preservers came out and they had that two, two tier system. And then in 1996, the revised box set, revised and expanded box set came out. And yeah. in that one, it was just off screen defiling during memorization. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we definitely didn't do that. You know, we kept it the old school way. The only other difference yeah. was Defilers now got a charisma penalty based on their level. So the idea was that, uh, you know, uh, that you became corrupt as you as you killed things yeah. for your magic. Um, and so you always got a, a charisma penalty. And I, I think that's cool. I really, really like that. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, I think at this point, I, I wasn't playing a lot of Dark Sun, so I, I didn't really play much of the revised. But off-screen defiling, it removed the, the penalty, not the penalty, but it removed the, the point where it's like, you cast the spell and you create the Sigurdal Lash, and, and that's what happened in the books, that's what happened everywhere. And all of a sudden, you kind of remove that that concept almost, mm-hmm. and that just didn't seem like it didn't seem like the filing anymore. Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. So, as part of part of second edition, we had kits. So kits were basically like a cool, you know, game mechanic that you could add to your character. And what it was was you basically, you know, chose one of these kits, and and there were kits in tons of different books. There were kits in the Gladiators book. There were kits and some magazines, you know, they were all over the place. And so what they did is they'd allowed you to sort of almost pick a specialty and they were all class related. I think some of them were even like you had to be multi-class in some of them, but the kits that were, I thought were, were kind of most interesting that I found for, for defilers were there was a necromancer kit. There was an arena necromancer kit that was in the gladiators handbook. And then um, there was the Arcana Mac, which was in Dragon 194. And that was that was like you were the Sorcerer King's Defiler. Uh, so those were all, all pretty mm-hmm. cool. I didn't get a chance to go back and look at them and see what what exact abilities they gave. But, you know, they, they always kind of give give some cool abilities and skills and stuff like that. I mean, kits are, are fourth edition's themes. Mm-hmm. Fifth edition's almost like a, like a, a weak subclass thing. It just made you different from the, the guy next to you sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Again, I never played a defiler, so I don't <laughs> I don't know any of these kits, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let's see. So that that was kind of the overview of second edition. In third edition, we've got a couple of different versions. You know, we have the Athos.org version and then Paizo put out their version as well. With the Athos.org version, it was pretty basic, you know, preservers and filers used the same class at this point, mm-hmm. but otherwise it was it was I think it was pretty, you know, just pretty straightforward wizard i don't think there was a lot of uh a lot of mechanics behind it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i do remember a little bit of the third edition paizen one but again it was sort of at this point much like robert's robert you said earlier was at this point we were playing more heroic dnd and it was sort of like the filer was sort of the bad guy in the midst of the anti-heroes it wasn't something that anybody was mm-hmm. that interested in playing because there wasn't there wasn't this big boost where it's like it's like half the XP to level up. Like there, that didn't happen anymore. So you weren't getting that much extra power, and um, the the it was a risk reward thing, right? It's Dark Sun's risky enough as it is, and you add a defiler in there. It's like 
well, I'm going to piss off every single person in the party, like the preserver, <laughs> the cleric, the druid, pretty much. And the Templar, like, the, I'm going to piss off everybody right. here. I'm yeah. like, this is just not going to work. So it was the sort of like, that's your sit-out class. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Looks like there were some feats that you could take. So one of the things that was introduced in Defilers and Preservers was this idea of the trifold path. So there was path Dexter, path Concurrent, and path Sinister. And Dexter was preserving, Concurrent was neutrality, and Sinister was defiling. Again, that was something we had, mm. we didn't really pay attention to. No. <laughs> and so in third edition, though, that they continued to use those paths and they made them kind of feats. So you could take the path sinister feat and basically you would get a couple spells at every level from evocation mm-hmm. and necromancy. And that was another thing is the paths were tied to schools. And as a result, you know, evocation, you know, those are the more kind of powerful, you know, uh, combat spells. So yep. path sinister would, would get those or then the defilers would generally get those. And you could take yeah. it multiple times, so you would get new, more, more and more spells. Yeah. And so that was the Athos, uh, Athos.org version. And then there was the Paizo version. And the Paizo version literally says that you just basically, all you get is a, a bluff skill. And the reason for that was, I think in third edition, one of the things they also did, uh, even in the Athos.org, was basically like, you could hide your casting by using mm-hmm. a bluff check. And so they... Yeah kind of conceal yeah and so so they use that in in the paizo version but even before the paizo version came out which was in in dragon 316 or sorry 319 Mm -hmm. that came out but in 316 there was an article a full article on defilers of athos and it was a really cool system i don't think we ever used it because i don't think i was um i don't think i was playing dark sun at this time but it's a cool mm-hmm. system and it basically uses a system of defiler points. So, you know, you draw energy yeah. and you get these points. And when you store up these points, yeah. you can use them like you can use them to cast meta magic. So it's basically like sorcerers right. are today. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, you're doing the same thing. You're getting these points, you're using them to to kind of alter your spells. And so that was something that that it definitely wasn't in the fiction at any point. But I thought it was a good mm-hmm. implementation and an interesting thing for defilers to do, because yeah, yeah. I don't think, if I recall correctly, at this point the defilers weren't kind of advancing fast. So they gave them the regular no. advancement, but they now had these other cool abilities to go along with their, you know, with yeah. defiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In addition to you know this cool meta meta magic, the more you defiled and the more defiling points you have, you also had negative aspects. So you had you know, that aspect, like in second edition, where you had a charisma penalty, you got stuff like that, you know, you started to get boils or just weird corruption on your body and you know, <laughs> stuff like that, which I thought was, you know, pretty cool too. Yeah, that's yeah, a good, good little indicator and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, so I also wanted to talk about real quick, a couple of articles that were on uh, athis.org. Someone had posted, this looks like it was probably, probably for second edition. It's talking about, yeah, it's talking about the path Dexter and path Sinister. So there's a there's some spells here. So we'll we'll include these in the um, in the show notes. There's some new second edition spells yep. that let you do different things. And it has like casting times based on your locations. So if you're in barren, fertile, abundant lands, so it's gonna have some different right. effects how quickly your spells are cast. Actually, looking at this, this might be third edition stuff, but this is a cool little article. I also, I wrote, uh, it looks like seven years ago now, so 2012. Oh, no, sorry. This one this one was written by Genium, 
he's written uh, a bunch of stuff. So this is defiling a history and look ahead. So he is basically talking mm -hmm. about all the stuff we're talking about right now. Cool. About defiling. So definitely go check that out. We will, again, put that in the show notes. And this yeah. was out before 5th edition came out at all. So he was just sort of talking about what what came before. And he does, this was before 5th uh, fully came out, but he does kind of talk about D&D um, mm -hmm. &D Next a little bit. So it must have been in playtest at, okay. at that time. Okay. So definitely check those oh, out. Cool. So after third edition came fourth edition. Fourth edition yep. had a a feature where you could take when if you chose to be a defiler, that means you took the arcane defiling feature. Uh, and what that did mm -hmm. is, you know, it allowed it allowed you to reroll damage when you were casting a spell that was defiling. So it was sort of like mm -hmm. retroactive defiling because you would only use it <laughs> if you needed to. You didn't yep. do it at the time, you know. So it was basically like if you rolled low um, on damage, you could re-roll and you'd have to keep the second number, yeah. but it would, you know, that's, that was the basic effect. So I don't know. I, I always kind of okay, did not okay. like that, the, the retroactive aspect of it. It felt like it wasn't like, obviously fourth edition wasn't designed with the filing in mind. So it was sort of this, it's a tack on system that basically was, was very obviously a tack on system. Mm -hmm. It just, Again, I don't think anybody ever, when we played 4th edition Dark Side, I don't think ever, anybody ever used it. No, for sure. It was this kind of interesting thing, but, you know, you, you had some weird mechanics, but, you know, if you didn't really remember 2nd edition or, or whatnot, it, it almost didn't have an effect on the game. Right. Except sort of when you're desperate, you've rolled like two ones and you're desperate for right, a re-roll right. uh, for our, our, you know, uh, from an arcane background thing. So just like, eh. You know, yeah, I don't know. I just it really just never right, came right. up. Uh, and the other thing that it did was, so if you did, if you use that aspect, then all allies, so this was another thing that always annoyed me, was all allies within 20 squares of you, so basically within 100 feet of you, would take necrotic damage equal yep. to half their healing surge value. So, <laughs> so they're trying to kind of, you know, mimic the old Defiler Ash thing, except for, how does it only affect your allies? That was the thing that I always hated. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just usable once, once a, day. <laughs> a day. And I just like, yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously daily power, blah, blah, blah. But I just, again, it, it felt like a tacked on thing where it just didn't mesh with the, the system. Mm -hmm. It just, the system wasn't really built for that in mm -hmm. mind. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and again, you know, I, I, <laughs> I never had a defiler in, in any of my games for fourth edition either. So never, never saw how that looked, but never, never, never saw it those worked. two aspects of the, you know, the, the re-rolling afterwards and only allies being affected yeah, by the only allies being affected was just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, I feel like you could use defiling aggressively. And if I recall, oh my gosh. So I wrote an article on athos.org a long time ago that I literally kind of just remembered right now. Uh, I'm going to have to find mm -hmm. it. So basically I made some defiling, I made defiling more aggressive. So you could, um, mm -hmm. you could hurt people with it, but also yeah. I made some traits that defiler allies could have that kind of, yeah. when, when the defiler defiled, then their allies like got bonuses and like did other cool stuff. I'm gonna have to find that in here. Okay. 
but I had a really cool, I had a gnome. I had one of, one of my good, uh, no, I meant to say Noel, not gnome. One of my, uh, <laughs> one of my bad guys in, uh, in my fourth edition campaign was a defiler. Yep. Uh, and there was a Noel defiler as well. Yeah. I kind of had Noles in dark sun, like be sort of like these mutated creatures. So they use defiling a lot. I always mm. thought, I always thought they were pretty cool. So I'll try to find that one too and throw it in. Yeah, we'll throw it on the show notes. Um, so so that's down to fourth edition. Now on to fifth edition. So in fifth edition, again, I this time I have sort of made a hard and fast rule that like I don't really want defilers in my game because I want the characters yeah. to be heroic. Now yes. that's not to say I'm not going to give them the opportunity to file. And you know, there's definitely mm-hmm. been a character already a couple times when you know they were down and out. And I'm like, I'll let you, you know, cast this, I'll let you upcast this spell if you defile, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I don't have any hard and fast rules for defiling. I sort of make it more, more like a give and take. Like I just give the offer. Like if you want to do this, you can defile and, you know, you'll have this, this, this bonus, or you'll be able to upcast, or you'll be able to have max damage, or you'll be able to reroll or like whatever, whatever they need at the moment to be temptation. And I think it Mm. makes it, it makes it more interesting. Like every time. So far, nobody's done it. Everyone's resisted yet um, so far, but I think um, I'm really going to start pushing them in the campaign that I'm on right now. And so we'll see if, if I can get someone to, to defile. <laughs> interesting, interesting. And, and listeners know I'm not currently running um, fifth edition in Dark Sun. So I've come up and, and had some ideas mm-hmm. about rules, but I don't know where they work. I, I have not play tested any of them. It was just sort of like, you know, what, what would work in the system and, and what might not. So. Maybe I'll go. With, I'll, I'll tell you what my, my ideas mm-hmm. are. You know, listeners ship out there can can take it for what it's worth. So my thing for fifth edition defiling is basically a spell level mm-hmm. boost. Basically, when you cast a spell and you wanted to, you know, use the filing magic, you draw extra power. You're basically upcasting it by mm-hmm. a level. That was the very basic stuff, but it's that's very very powerful. So I, I don't know what I would have used as a, a balance point for that, but that was kind of one of the things that. I was, I was trying to, I mean, we was playing around with and just seeing how does, how would that work for the mm-hmm. mechanics? And it's only one level. So it's not like, oh, I can do it like 16 times. No, no, no. It's like, you know, you have, uh, you know, you're, you're casting a second level spell and you, you need a little more oomph and power to it. Okay. You pull extra power from the plants around you and all of a sudden you're using a third level slot. So basically I've left them cast. And so. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, I would say that works in many in many instances but not all of them because some spells um for example this is just off the top of my head even though it's not a wizard spell but like uh this not shield of faith what's the what's the magic weapon uh cleric spell they always uh anyways there's a lot a lot of spells a lot of spells require you to upcast two levels in order to get an additional effect oh that's easy then basically let's say it's a second level spell and you need to cast Mm -hmm. it a fourth to get the additional effect then you cast it a third, and you and then cast the fourth for you. Cool. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the idea. I, I actually had someone ask me about that. We were mm-hmm. just kind of chatting about that. I had not come up with an appropriate downside. I think part of it was you might have to deal damage to yourself, or like it's not. A, it, there was no. I had no particular way of of managing that yet. So or, I think you know that's why that's sort of why they did what they did. You know, in fourth edition, they kind of made. Yeah made it just be your, your allies kind of thing like yeah. and the reason they're doing that i think the reason they they did that for fourth edition and the same reason it wouldn't just be an obvious benefit in fifth edition either 
because yeah. of the the design style and and the reason is is because as a personal dm like i can i can make sure that people hate defilers in my games but if you're running an organized mm-hmm. play game or yeah. just basically if you're writing for everyone in the world there's going to be some dms that are not yeah. going to use those social drawbacks as actual negatives yeah. so if you're if you're running a game and 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 you can use the social drawbacks as a negative then i think making them more powerful is appropriate depending on how much mm-hmm. you're making them hated <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> if you know if you're yeah. just being if you're being really soft on them then yeah then it's an obvious benefit and they they don't have any downside i i mean i like i wanted for me i i i like to have balance so it's more like what and i hadn't thought much i haven't thought mm-hmm. much beyond it it was just like what can i create uh, what can I create to have a a, a downside? Like obviously the social and, and whatnot, but but what can I create to actually to to give that character without penalizing everybody else? But what can I do to give that character a downside for defiling? And I had, like I said, I hadn't thought about it. Maybe you know penalty to charisma or disadvantage something here, but I I hadn't it hadn't popped into my mm-hmm. head yet. Like I said, I haven't. I'm not running a fifth edition dark side game. So it it never came up. (laughs) Yeah. So those, you know, we've gone kind of through the basics of, of the editions. Let's sort of pull back uh, and, you know, really talk about what, you know, we, we we sort of dabbled in what it is to be a defiler in, you know, on Athos. Like Mm -hmm. when you're a defiler, not only are you, you know, we've talked about how you're hated. That's, that's going to sort of make you almost by default a loner. You know, you're, you really can't, you can't share that you're a defiler with, with most people, um, unless you're more powerful than them and you can control them with your magic. You know, a lot of times we'll see that, uh, you know, we'll see slave tribes or we'll see just these desert tribes that are controlled by defilers because they have, you know, they have the strength to assert that control. Enforce their will. Yeah. Yeah. You know. There, there's there's no you know defiler club like uh, the right. Guild Alliance <laughs> sort of thing so you know and and that that actually creates role playing problems because you're trying to you know obviously there's secrets that you're trying to keep but nobody likes defilers so how are you adventuring with a party of people unless you're pretending to be the wizard which again that has its own social stigmas as well because as soon as you're found out you know you. You know, I think a lot of the books even say like, you know, the filers smell mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Like there's a different mm-hmm. aura around them. As soon as you're found out, no <laughs> one likes you. And then, you know, your friend, is he gonna, still going to share his water with you or he's going to stab you in the back? Like I found a defiler, <laughs> right. you know, pay me my, pay me his weight in, in, in coin sort of thing. Right. Right. So I don't know. Just as the, it, it makes them, I'm not saying don't play them. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it definitely makes it a challenge for both the player and the DM to have somebody that is basically by design a lone mm-hmm. wolf in a game that you're playing with a party. Right. So because of that, so that, you know, they're, they're loners a lot of times. So the only way, not the only way, but one of the few ways that they have to sort of become more than a loner is, is being apprenticed by a sorcerer king. So uh, we talked about the Arcanomac mm-hmm. kit before, and that's basically what that is. You know, you become a, one of the sorcerer king's defilers and, I don't know if we've really talked. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but not in this episode. Is that all? Of, all of the sorcerer kings are very powerful defilers, and so you know they basically maintain their supremacy by saying, 
you know, any, any magic is illegal except for mine. Right. And except for those that they teach. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you can have a defiler there. That's part of, you know, part of the Templarate. Um, you could have a defiler Templar. You could have, like we talked about before, like the arena defilers, like they, a lot of times will be necromancers so they can raise up a, a creature to fight again or to make cool, you know, make cool siege engines and stuff like that for, for the Sorcerer King. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then as you were talking about earlier, you know, towards being in this episode, remember our first episode was talking about Templars and Templars are these kind of big, they are the, the main enemy, the main NPC enemy uh, for, for, for players in, in Dark Sun. I would say the second NPC, you know, humanoid creature, not creature, but enemy is Defilers. You know, whether they're apprenticed or connected with a Templarate or with a Sorcerer King, or they're just the bad guy. I mean, the the the, the lone wizard in a tower bad guy trope for, for D&D, you replace wizard with Defiler, and I mean, there's a huge mm-hmm. Dark Sun trope right there, right? So they really fit well as a an evil character and as a, a bad guy it just it, it just kind of it just kind of works so i think that's one of the other reasons is like when you're playing D, there you have this you have this enemy that you know is destroying the world powerful pretty dark you know that's that's the person you know point the point the arrow at the the defiler and, and go take <laughs> them out definitely sort of and Looking back at the second edition stuff, in second edition, people got experience for playing their character class as well as their races and stuff like that. And the way that Defilers got extra experience was by they got 25 XP per spell level when they cast spells for Sorcerer King. So that right there really tells us that they expected Defilers to work for Sorcerer Kings in you know in, in yeah. second edition. On the other side, Preservers got uh, 50 XP per spell level for maintaining their spell casting secrecy. Yeah. So moving on then from kind of, you know, defilers being bad guys, let's talk about some of those. So there was a couple of big ones. One that was in the city state of Tyr, Dope Malpain was Kalax defiler. And he was sort of a bad, bad guy. Uh, Brax, Peter Nuttall, he picked up Dope Malpain and ended up writing a bunch of stuff about him basically saying that like after after Kalak was killed spoilers <laughs> after Kalak was killed Don't Mount Pain kind of left the tier region and went up north and he played a large part in in a bunch of the stuff in in the north again spoilers but uh I think he becomes uh he becomes a dragon or at least starts starts the metamorphosis so that that's a pretty cool character and he's definitely like your your kind of classical evil evil guy for evil's sake so He's a good one to throw against your yeah, yeah. players. Yeah. Um, the other one we have listed here is is um, mm-hmm. Kargash. Kargash, Kar- yeah. Kargash um, from House mm-hmm. uh, Salaxa. I always kind of like. I always mm-hmm. liked House Salaxa as a an evil yeah. conglomerate thing. Like I always liked that. You know, I think I I featured featured them in once or twice in 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 something, and um, that's that's a really cool thing where it's like we have this huge reach we are the evil mm-hmm. merchant house but hidden behind that right we got a bunch mm-hmm. of defilers because hey being fabulously wealthy in dark sun is not enough we need to have you know we need to have uh some killer uh, mm-hmm. killer spells back there right so i always kind of like that kind of hiding hiding defilers yep. in plain sight 
sort of thing and uh just kind of exemplify definitely exemplifying an evil yeah. merchant house like you, you might as well have you might as well have like the leaders be defilers or you know in cohorts yeah with, yeah with i used uh, i i put kargash there because i used him as one of the big bads in uh in my a uh, couple of my fourth edition campaigns he was just just mm-hmm. always always evil and just you know like you said going salaxa is, is sort of this evil house that specializes in mercenary stuff and so you know he was just a perfect fit yeah yeah i don't have any off the top of my head but they're you know elves you know don't have the same views as humans do on defiling i mean they still hate defiling but they're more willing a lot a lot of tribes you know are willing to trade with the defilers a lot of tribes trade spell components and so they'll they'll necessarily deal with defilers and then some you know some tribes won't you know some tribes are very you know only preservers or don't like wizards at all. And then there's other tribes like probably the shadows. Mm. I think uh, it's the first one that comes to mind. They probably deal directly with filers and Mm. have defilers. So some elves, even though, you know, they're out in the wilderness a lot, sometimes they'll, they're, you know, they're, they're just overly pragmatic and they'll, you know, they'll just do whatever it takes. Yeah. 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 Basically. And obviously every single sorcerer King is a defiler. (laughs) I think that pretty much they say that in every single, uh, uh, it's basically, if not all of them, pretty much most of them have some defiling powers. And obviously because of how much more powerful they are, they are more spell levels, mm-hmm. more drain, whatever. But you could pretty much point at every single one of them. They're what's yeah. wrong with the world. <laughs> and part of it yeah, is because so of all the violators. <laughs> um, in general, I would say all of the Surge Kings are, are defilers. Now, once you start reading some of the books and you're like, well is a champion a sorcerer king and you know all i think all the champions were defilers too i believe because that's basically how you become a dragon uh, or an advanced being and in order to do that you know if you want to check out the dragon king source book that's where they first introduced the idea that if you are a very powerful defiler you know a 20th level defiler and a 20th level sanicist then you could you can become an advanced being and for defilers it is a dragon and that's kind of one of the sort of, you know, secrets of the campaign world. Uh, you know, it's most people know it, but it's sort of like most people in the world don't know that. You know, most people don't know that the Sorcerer Kings are dragons. And that's sort of some of the big, you know, the big storylines. You know, the first book, Rikus and and the crew kill Kalak because he was trying to become like a 30th level dragon, like immediately. He was trying to skip all the yep. intercepts because when you're in the first few levels or the, the the maybe the second or third few levels when you get to that level you start going crazy and you kind of rampage and the 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 dragon of tear he did that for a while and he rampaged and he you know destroyed lots of things yep. and and so calic was trying to avoid that yeah he's just trying to kind of skip the uh mm-hmm. skip the savage and he's not phase. the only one that tried to do that either uh Khaled ma from Kalad tried to do that as well to similar similar results as calac Although, uh, yeah. you know, he is also in, in Ravenloft. So there's a whole Ravenloft section about Kaladnay. And even though the, dra- even though the dragon is not alive, his, his high Templar is the, the, the dark Lord of that, of that city in Ravenloft, which is pretty cool. And they even, uh, was it Dragoth? Mm-hmm. Dragoth, yeah. 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 Dragoth. So to prevent him from becoming the dragon, they yep, killed yep, him and that, he became that, one. Dead. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We got that one as well. So. Yeah, and so there's a whole there's a whole adventure, not necessarily about that specifically, but about Dragoth. Come, you know, he's undead and he's he's trying to come back. There's a third edition adventure 
go check that out on athens.org uh Drigoth ascending cool stuff yeah cool i think we've covered yeah i mean there's you know th there's some other other details uh but i think you know that's that's the gist of it there's some cool stuff with trees of life we can touch on real quick here yep. so the trees of life were sort of they were some they were something in the original book and they kind of have a little bit to part to play in the in the stories um in the novels but basically they're they're these massive trees that can soak up defiling energy so if you have a tree and you you cast defiler magic around it it soaks it up and it doesn't do any damage to the neighboring uh, land. Now, the, I feel mm -hmm. like the mechanics were a little, a little heavy. It was basically just like it said they had 10 different levels, but each level had 10 hit points. So basically the tree had 100 hit points and every level mm -hmm. of spell cast would reduce a level of, of the tree. So that's a, that's a complicated way to say yeah. every spell was worth 10 hit points. And so if they yeah. <laughs> got below 100 hit points, then as long as they were at zero, they, it would regrow in four weeks. It would completely regrow. Yeah. But if it was less than that, then I think it was like by the hour, it would get 10 hit points every hour or whatever. So they can regenerate very quickly if they're not killed. And so as a result, Sorcerer Kings will end up having huge groves of these things because that means they can cast magic in the city and it doesn't destroy the city. Right. Without killing everybody. Um, and in addition, they also did cool things like they gave you special spells if you were a cleric or a druid and you were like touching them you know you get special spells mm -hmm. that you could cast and then yeah. you know there are some spells where you can create them so that's sort of like an overarching goal i guess it would be for for druids and clerics to kind of make more of these trees since they yeah since they make kind of protect trees, the land yeah. I, I feel like they they i feel like this was a they they made a, a spell uh, no, not spell they made a, a kind of a a plot device and right, right, mechanics right. Yeah, behind it. So. so it's kind of like there was an unnecessary amount of mechanics behind basically a plot device of why Sorcerer Kings don't kill like <laughs> right. everybody in the radius when they're casting a ninth spell. Like that's basically like I kind of feel mm -hmm. like that's what, what happened there. So it's kind of like, okay. Let's, uh, uh, that's a good point. You, you know, you're just talking about casting high level spells. And so one of the other things that kind of go, goes along with the whole advanced beings and casting high, high spells so in Dark Sun, there's 10th level spells. And in order to cast those 10th level spells, yeah. you have oh, yeah. to yeah. be a, a wizard and a, a psionicist. And then you can cast 10th level spells. Well, also in the lore of Dark Sun, in order to do such things, you need to have a an obsidian sphere. And so you'll see that again, you know, a lot of times in in the books and in different different aspects of the game where they talk about obsidian spheres. And that's usually yeah. what they're used for. And when you defile with obsidian spheres, so when you're casting these high-level spells, not only do you suck the the energy from plants, but you also suck it from people. And so that's why, talking about Kalak, when he was doing his mass transformation, the whole idea was that he was going to get all the energy from all the people that were in the arena. Like he was going to kill basically his entire, mm -hmm. you know, his entire city in order to get enough energy to uh, to turn into a 30th level dragon right away. So. That's another big aspect of of defiling mm -hmm. in that it's tied to these obsidian spheres. Yeah. So it's a cool sort of trope within yep. within the uh, the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, <laughs> I think we covered this this subject pretty well. I mean, if you have any questions, um, you can always reach out to us in comments. You know, we love reviews. You know, if you give us a review, that's, that's always good. There's one thing I want to bring up that not specifically to do with this topic, but uh, uh, if anybody sort of noticed or looked at um, 
the announcements for GameholeCon in the fall. They have mentioned, you know, an unannounced setting. I have no idea what that <laughs> means. Neither do I. Um, so, you know, yeah. So uh, if you have uh, been reached out by Wizards to uh, talk about Dark Sun or write Dark Sun, um, let <laughs> Robert and I know, you know, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to know what's going on. I don't know. Gives us gives us hope. We we do know that uh, stuff was released. We had uh, Eberron last year and Ravnica last year. So I mean, hey, who knows? We can uh, unannounced <laughs> settings yeah. is, is exciting. But uh, but yeah, I guess before we sign off and and whatnot. So Robert, what's uh, what's your schedule look like this year? Where where are you going to be at for con season? <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of cons uh, lined up. I just have this one here in Phoenix. I'm kind of taking it easy right now. But you can always uh, you know mm-hmm. you can always find me at radu at athletes.org you can find me on twitter at radu 76 it's r-a-d-d-u 76 and you can find me on the dark sun uh, facebook group and also something that literally just happened like today is that well yesterday fantasy grounds announced that they are doing second edition they just released some second edition um, players guide and dungeon master's right, guide right. and and monster manual so second edition is now like an official setting or, or official game uh, rules on on Fantasy Grounds, and I reached out to cool. to Doug cool. and uh, and Mike, who's the guy that made the conversion, and I was like, "Hey, can we convert Dark Sun stuff?" And he was like, "Yeah, we can do that." And so I'm going to be converting a bunch of the Dark oh, Sun wow. stuff for Fantasy Grounds. So even though it won't be fifth edition, all the stuff will be there. You know, all the rules, all of the content will be available on Fantasy Grounds. So I'm stoked to start working on that. Wow, that's that's actually that's really exciting news. I, there's a there's definitely a touch of nostalgia that makes me want to <laughs> yep. jump back in and be like, all right, let's see what's going on <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, that that'd be pretty fun. How about you? For yeah. myself, um, there's a there's a baby on the way, so there's going to be a limited amount of uh, stuff. Uh, I'll be at Anime North uh, running D and D there. That's our third year there. Um, oh yeah, third year there. And then for the uh, gaming garage, the CNE gaming garage in mid August. Uh, that also be our third year. I'm, I'm stepped a little away from the the D&D specific role and been trying to help out sort of the tabletop section as a whole. And uh, I believe uh, I might be at Fan Expo as well. If not running D&D, at least bringing my daughter along <laughs> to see all the cosplay <laughs> and whatnot. I was just at PAX East. If you didn't see me there, you know, I'll catch you next time, hopefully. And um, I'm, I'm very much hoping to maybe make PAX Unplugged. Nice. If, uh, if wife and kids come, I, I think we might do that, and that'd be pretty cool and pretty fun. But uh, yeah, that basically wraps us up for uh, for this recording. Cannot promise you guys um, when <laughs> we're going we're to record next. We will try and do our best. I will not, I will not jinx it uh, by saying it out loud. <laughs> but, uh, you know, things are settling down a little bit, obviously for me and, and for Robert kind of getting back into the schedule. And even though I do have a kid coming, um, should have... Time in the evenings, right. as long as the kid sleeps. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for catch us wherever you catch your podcasts and uh, listen to Mr. Mark podcast. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Bye bye. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye now. Bone Stone and Obsidian is hosted by the Misdirected Mark Network the media arm of Encoded Designs.